We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bringing you one final guest for the afternoon, and of course, it's lead NFL writer over at For the Win, and it's Stephen Ruiz who now joins me on the West Her Hotline. First and foremost, Stephen, it's been a little while since I've had you on. Welcome back, man. Uh, I hope your summer's going well so far. Appreciate it. I was expecting to come into like a chorus of booze. Well, no, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, uh, but public enemy number one has shifted from you to Benjamin Solak, so you are off the hook, my friend. Nice, nice. I couldn't think of a better person for the target. Seriously, you know, what a jerk that guy is on a general, uh, just as generally speaking. What a worse, couldn't be a worse guy to hate, you know? Right. Uh, and I sometimes, I know this isn't Twitter, uh, so I don't have this, the sarcastic font on, but, but people, Benjamin Solak's like America's <laughs> child. Like, please right, stop, stop being mean to Benjamin online. He is like the nicest church going Sunday morning like he will literally he would give you the clothing off of his back so let's just like let's just reel it back a little Buffalo but you know listen uh here in Buffalo we are known for our ability to overlook slight amount of criticism and just give you the benefit of the doubt like they have for a long time for you Steven yeah uh <laughs> I mean I can take it though I think, yeah I, know. I think like 80 percent of Bill's fans aren't are like it's, it's like any other fan base I think they right. get a bad reputation but you know it's 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 what it is, and now you guys are winning. It's like you guys are back in the spotlight. Yeah, and you know for good reasons this time, right? Like not about like yeah. seventeen year playoff droughts or something. So yeah, right. It's <laughs> we're we're in we're in the news for good reasons. Listen, I wanted to bring you on. Um, I really enjoyed your piece about Zach Ertz and sort of the scheme fit. Um, you know here in Buffalo, and you know I had Mike K on earlier of NJ.com just to kind of. You know, help us understand what the situation is in Philadelphia. Like, what has broken down? How have we gotten to sort of this this impasse where it's Zach Ertz is out and there is no real scenario he ends up back in Philadelphia? I think the impasse probably happened at that season-ending press conference where he sort of like you know emotionally basically said, "I love you, Philly, but peace out." Like, I, there's really not like a way to bring him back now. Um, and I think the the organization and his relationship is too far gone. Um, so I, I guess my first question to you is based on the. Th- Things you know the, the the work you put into this article. What is the sense? And let's just move the Bills out of this conversation entirely. Like, what is your sense in what any team that is to acquire Zach Ertz right now at this point of his career? Like, what are you actually getting? And I think I I, I don't want to misquote you in, in the article, but it's something along the lines of like you're basically getting the name Zach Ertz. You're not really getting like what people might remember Zach Ertz being. Yeah, I think all the fan bases that are like clamoring for an Ertz trade are doing that based on 2017 Zach Ertz, who is a player we haven't seen since 2017. Maybe 2018 he was good. But we haven't seen that player since then. 
you always have to add in the caveat that he was injured these last two years, and maybe that's why the production is down. But when you're talking about a thirty-something tight, a thirty-year-old tight end who's dealt with injuries two years in a row, like that's part of his game now. He's going to take that with him. That's not necessarily just going to go away. And then when you do look at the numbers, they are not good. Like his just his average depth of target, I think, is telling. It was nine point zero in two thousand eighteen, dropped to six point five in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and then seven point oh. So like he's dropped like a full yard and a half, two yards, and it's down to like possession tight end type numbers. And like I, don't, I just don't see how that improves a passing game. And then if you bring the Bills into it, the Bills passing game, which was one of the best in the league last year. So, I, I, this is probably a more nuanced question than I'm intending it to be, but how much of this maybe falls on the fact that this was an offense over the last two years, injuries or not, um, that has been basically stuck in the mud with a play caller who really, I, in, in, in my ultimate opinion, towards the end, I'm not sure what happened to the Doug Peterson that during the Super Bowl run that I thought did a really good job of sort of finding ways to get the most out of the talent around him to a very rigid, do-it-my-way kind of play caller that I think really, between him and between Carson Wentz, the downfall of that offense was their inability to reconnect as a play caller and quarterback, and how much collateral damage could you maybe blame on the Zach Ertz fall from the 2017 form? Outside of the injuries, how much of this can we blame on what was happening behind closed doors between the quarterback and head coach and play caller? No, I think that's totally fair. But I would say this about, I think the Doug Peterson's criticism is totally fair. But with the Carson Wentz thing, I think Carson Wentz was a quarterback that force-fed Zach Ertz almost to a fault at times. So I know like maybe Ertz's efficiency numbers would take a hit because Carson Wentz wasn't giving him the best service. But when you look at the peripheral things, like average depth of target, for instance, doesn't have anything to do with how accurate your quarterback is. He, the guy is just not earning targets downfield anymore. So I think that's the concern with me is, like, yes, that probably held back his production, the play calling, the poor quarterback play, but these other stats are also a red flag, and they have nothing to do with those with right. those things. Yeah, and it's it's hard, right? I, I It's hard to sort of separate because they are – mm-hmm. alone, right, the failures of the quarterback and the, and the head coach and play caller – as much as we want to be able to silo it, there is so much riding on the success of other players when you're talking about these statistics, right? Like, as a pass catcher, you are relying a lot on the people that are are creating the scheme and are executing the scheme. And and that's what makes, you know, sort of predicting year-to-year success and or failure so difficult in an NFL when there are so many variables to those successes, right? Like, thinking about just the Bills in the past, like, is Eric Moulds a Hall of Fame receiver if he's playing literally anywhere else other than Buffalo during, you know, some of the worst quarterback play in our franchise's history, and, and I think maybe we're, we're 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 trying to create more than there is here with Zach Ertz. But I guess what I'm trying to ultimately reduce this down to is trying to find factors for these the, the lack of success yeah. and trying to determine whether or not he's in a better situation if some of those concerning underlying numbers might see a boost based on a better passing offense. But then the second phase of this, Stephen, comes in, which is volume. To to really get a view, uh, the view that you want to get of where Zach Ertz is at the current course, course of his career, he needs volume statistics. And I think even if he comes to Buffalo, the volume likely won't be there just based on the mouths that need to be fed. And frankly, he comes into a situation where maybe at best he's the fourth or fifth mouth to feed. Yeah, and 
the thing I wrote about in the article is the way he, he gets that food is in the ways that Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs have been the best. In, they were literally the best in the league. Like Cole Beasley was the best slot receiver, the most productive, prolific slot receiver last year. That's where Hertz does like 80% of his damage. And then the other 20% is when he's isolated on the backside of trips as an, uh, an X receiver. And Diggs was literally the best and most productive, most prolific receiver when he was isolated on the backside of trips. So do you really want to bring in Ertz, who has had two down years in a row and probably isn't that same player he was in 2017, come and take those reps from literally the two best guys in the league yeah. at those things? I, it just doesn't make sense. And then when you bring in how the Bills used their tight ends last year, and I know that's probably a product of what they had at the position, but the formations they use are just – they won't get the most out of a Zach Ertz type tight end, who's really not a tight end. He's a wide receiver cosplaying as a tight end. Steven Ruiz here uh, for the win. Joining us on the Western Hotline, we're talking about scheme fit with Zach Ertz. Obviously, the what's sparking, I guess maybe re-sparking for like the fourth time this conversation, is the Bills making a move this week, earlier in the week, to sort of work Stephon Diggs' deal to create $7.8 million in cap space to make a move. It doesn't necessarily, Steven, mean it's a move for Zach Ertz, but the one area I kind of wanted to ask you about, too, and, and I love the, the little graphic you were able to put together about sort of where his production by alignment has come in the 2018 season, and this is maybe where this conversation about Dawson Knox maybe gets more interesting. The Bills obviously made a move to go get Jacob Hollister this offseason, which I don't think was, you know, I mean, he literally signed for the veteran minimum. I don't think it's making waves across the league as some kind of crazy good move or under-the-radar move, but at the same time, he represents the type of player I think that you might want to try to upgrade from, meaning he's more of an inline guy, the guy that can play the position as it's traditionally played. That is not Dawson Knox, by the way, and it's also not Zach Ertz, so how do you get better at a position like the way that they're trying to say or that Sean McDermott is trying to say and listen I think we're all making assumptions about what they want in tight end because like in year one of Sean McDermott the first thing he talked about was tight end is the quarterback's best friend and kind of what his view of the tight end should be and they've never really addressed the position in his tenure so if you think they have three guys that all perform sort of differently on the field in a scheme fit and Hollister Ertz or potentially Ertz and and Dawson Knox like, how do you even equate that to what the actual position is going to require? Because if your only true inline tight end on the roster is Jacob Hollister, I think you're kind of in trouble, no? Yeah, but here's the beauty about football. You get to choose what formation yeah, right, players you right, 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 right. field. You don't need a tight end. And the Bills didn't need a tight end last year, and it looked just fine. And they did things with their formation. Where they, were, they were using their tight ends basically like fullbacks. Like, I, I know Bills fans saw this every week, but they use that formation where they have the tight end and the running back. It's like a kind yep. of like in, you're in shotgun, but it's like looks like an I-form to the right of the, the quarterback. They use that more than anybody else in the league, and I think that was them just saying, hey, we don't have a tight end, but we don't need one. We can have this tight end do yeah. pullback things, and that's going to help us in other ways. And it really, how they use that was in play action, and then uh, when they were running the ball, he was like an insert blocker. You would block up the middle of the offensive line, and it worked. Like, those plays were very efficient and very productive for that offense. So, like, if it isn't broke, why fix it? And I, I feel like we have this tendency to, like, when a team is in a position like the Bills, they are very good. They're on the cusp of Super Bowl contention. You could argue they are a Super Bowl contender. But we look at their roster and, like, all right, let's find a hole. And we, But you don't always need to fill that hole. And mm -hmm. in the salary cap league, 
you have to skimp on some positions, and I feel like tight end is a good one to skimp on, especially when you have all those pass catchers, a good offensive line, and an up-and-coming quarterback. Stephen, the last thing I want to ask you about Ertz before I, I wanted to kind of get some of your thoughts on the AFC East, too, with a lot of young quarterbacks um, sort of taking the reins outside of Josh Allen, who, again, is still on his rookie deal, so he's also still young. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about Ertz is I know you were talking about in your piece of him not really being the mismatch in man coverage um, that maybe he was, you know, especially in sort of his quote-unquote prime. Um I noticed, and I'm sure you did too watching film, teams really got scared off running man coverage against the Bills until until the AFC Championship game where they just abs- – and the Kansas City Chiefs, now it wasn't a traditional man look that they were throwing at the Bills. I thought they got very unique pre-snap to post-snap, and they really confused the Bills, and I think they threw off the Bills with how physical the line of scrimmage they were in that man coverage. Having said that, I don't know that there are many other teams. Listen, the Miami Dolphins might have been the best man coverage secondary in the league, and the Bills scorched them for like 500 yards per game and three touchdowns. So teams moved away from running man coverage against the Bills, and I think a lot of defenses saw their, their best success against the Bills when they were running more traditional zone looks. So if if the the anecdote or if if the kryptonite for this Bills defense or this Bills offense is running, you know, thorough zone against them, do you then feel like, okay, Zach Ertz makes a little bit more sense if the if if they need sort of a counteract two teams running a, like a lot of heavy zone looks at them? Uh yeah, I think that makes sense, but I and well, I guess I should add that like Zachary, it, it's not going to be that expensive to acquire him. So maybe I'm making more out of this than right, I should. Right, but right. I feel like you could find Mike Zimmer has the old saying like you can find a corner uh, cover two corner down at Seven Eleven. Like I feel like it's the same for a tight end that can find an open space and zone coverage. So like I don't think you need a Zach Ertz type, like a Zach Ertz in his prime type to to be productive against zone coverage. And I also think, like, that's Zach Ertz's thing is, like, the creating the mismatch. Like, the cornerbacks are too small to cover and linebackers are too slow. So that doesn't really play when you're not, you know, going up against man coverage. And so you're not really getting the most out of Zach Ertz, even if he is at his peak when you get him, if you're seeing a lot of zone, actually. All right, Stephen, I have to ask you. So, listen, a uh, friend of the program, Connor Rogers, um, I – He's a friend, so I, I try not to make him I, I try not to give him more confidence than he already has about his Jets team. But I sort of I think I'm with him a little bit. I, I'm I'm ready to buy in because of the the coaching move, because of the some of the offseason moves that they made. I thought they finally made good quality offseason moves, which has been lacking that team for the better part of a decade. Where do you stand on who sits in second place in this division? I Listen, I, I think more than likely than not, it'll be the New England Patriots. I am really low on the Dolphins. And maybe it's because I just it's a personal bias against the Dolphins. I just but I, I think for the most part, their fans are a little senile about where they actually are. I don't find them to be particularly even with the new weapons they have at receiver, it's just not a team that scares me at all. Um, where do you sit on who the second best team in this division, if it is that you do believe the Bills are still kinda at the top of this? I was gonna say I should just turn full heel and say the Bills. But no, I, I, <laughs> the Bills are clearly the favorite. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't put the Patriots up there. Like, I, I don't get like, – I, I understand why Connor. I know he's a Jets fan. I've been on his, pod, his Jets podcast. But my thing about the coaching staff is you don't know until you see it. Mm, yeah. And we do, we just don't know what – like, being a defensive coordinator is one thing. Being a head coach is another thing. You don't know. What if he's Freddie Kitchens? Uh, like, right. it could just be awful. But the Patriots, I feel like, are going to be a good team. I think they might even challenge the Bills 
for the division title. I think the Bills will ultimately win it and should be the favorites. But that team, that defense, I think is going to come back to where it was in 2019 before the opt-outs just ruined their front seven, and they add it to the front seven. They got Matthew Judon, who I think is a very good player who's going to be a great player when Bill Belichick gets a hold of him. The secondary is still very good. And then the offense has to be better. I mean, they have real live receivers now and tight ends. And <laughs> With a heartbeat, yeah. line. <laughs> Right. I, 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 Cam was not good at times, but there were times, there were still flashes of old Cam, like with the arm strength, which is why I think the arm strength concerns are a little weird. Like if you watch them play to play, like he made some wild throws at times late in the season. So I'm not really concerned with him. And then they always have Mac Jones. If Cam Newton isn't there, I think Mac Jones can survive as a rookie in a, you know, have play action heavy scheme that doesn't ask too much of him mentally. And it's still Bill Belichick. So I really think that's the team. And I think they have a chance to win 10, 11 games. And maybe, maybe they're still in the race in December. Where do you sit with the Jets, though? And and, and I guess it's still, I, I agree with you, it's more or less a wait-and-see situation. But, you know, I've got to think that there's no way Zach Wilson is worse than what Sam Darnold was last year. And if you're even slightly better, that's a team that still, I mean, for how bad and how poorly they were coached and how poor and lazy that scheme was in a week-to-week, I mean, it literally looked like at times Adam Gase rolled around on Friday, Saturday morning, was like, hey, I'll put together my game plan today and we'll script. It's not hard hard to, to, to coach offense in the NFL. Like, these are actual quotes from a man that couldn't win two football games. And, 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 and just, all right, anyways, um, I, I, was, I, was, I was getting off on a tangent. My, I guess my point is, it almost seems like they have to be better, and they really weren't that far from being competent. It was just like the quarterback right. and the head coach were just really tanking things for them. I think the defensive coordinator didn't give them any help either. Um, if they are a little bit better, what does that mean to you? Are they, if they're a little bit better than they were last year, are they in the, are they in the Dolphins really maybe in a neck and neck tie? Yeah, because they do have talent. I'm not a big fan of Zach Wilson's. I, I don't know if he's the quarterback they think they're getting, but I mean, in that offense, they got the, uh, they got Mike LaFleur mm-hmm. from San Francisco, so presumably he's going to be running Shanahan's offense. In that offense, the scheme is the quarterback. And, and I will say this about Zach Wilson he is a talented thrower. And if he doesn't have to do too much thinking and too much processing in the pocket and he could just show off that arm, then I think he's going to be a decent quarterback in this league, assuming LaFleur is like next in line in the Shanahan tree yeah. and is actually good. And then they got Corey Davis. They got Denzel Mims last year in the first round, who I really liked. I really like Corey Davis, too. Chris Herndon, this is the year he breaks out. <laughs> for the third year in a row. Makai Beck, yeah. they got a decent offensive line. Like They have the pieces, and I thought the defense is – the defense wasn't actually that bad the last two years. It was the offense that was really terrible. And now they have a coach who I think did a good job in San Francisco, so I'm expecting him to do a good job in New York coordinating that defense. So, yeah, I think there's a team that could win like six. I have to like adjust the records now. That they I know, I know, I know. Like what is a six-win team now? But like I think they could win like six games, like a feisty team that might like get better as the season goes on. And and then by December, it's a team like where where you're nervous about playing them. As a uh, as a guy that talks a lot of fantasy football, uh, I have been maybe tooting the Chris Herndon horn for. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm out of breath talking about it. Um, but yeah, no, it, that, the that, year you stop is the year he breaks out. That's exactly right, that, and that's how that works. That's 100 percent how that works. All right, last thing I have for you, Stephen, because this this one um, I find. 
I, and I, I'm just generally speaking, I'm interested in your take on this. So we hear this week, uh, Greg Roman, uh, Ravens offensive coordinator this week, says, hey, you know, uh, one of the things we're adding a layer into this offense this year to hopefully get more out of the passing game is we're going to have Lamar under center more. And um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are in a vacuum of, of that concept um, and whether or not – I listen, I love the Bateman move. He was – he was a player for me that I would have loved the Bills to get their hands on if they could have somehow um, later in that draft. He, they didn't, obviously, and they end up with Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman to add with Hollywood Brown, hopefully a healthy Nick Boyle so they can get that top blocking tight end back in there. Maybe that also opens things up for Mark Andrews, and I like the weapons that they got. J.K. Dobbins is a nice player, too. So under center, does that does him saying that like give you more confidence that all of a sudden because they're under center that Greg Roman's going to adopt some like actual NFL passing concepts or no? I don't know what to to think about that. I saw that the other day, and the one thing is when you put Lamar under center, that kind of takes away the run threat. Yes, thank you for him. Yes. Like he can't do the option stuff. I mean, maybe they're they're going to start running like some like old Tom Osborne option, like Nebraska back in the day, but which would be fun to watch. And maybe that's what they're out there going, but it takes away that threat, and maybe that threat's always there with Lamar because yeah, that sure. type of runner, but. I, yeah, I, I don't know if you get the same bang for your buck as you would for another quarter, like say like Ryan Tannehill. I don't think you get the same you know benefit sure. by going sure. under center because play action is more effective when you're under center. You can run more run concepts, but Lamar, I don't I don't know if you're getting the most out of him. Yeah, I and I, like it's such a big year for that team. I think too with Lamar because mm-hmm. they're 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 sort of. Doesn't it? Uh, some of the moves that they've made, I, like there, there was an understanding they needed to get better at wide receiver. I mean, th- there's just no right. doubt about that. But I think there's this. Uh, I guess there's this sort of shadow narrative that exists of like, okay, well, all the excuses are 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 out the window now for Lamar, as if like this is actually a Lamar <sighs> issue. And I and I know you and I agree on this. I, this is not a Lamar issue. Um, this is a passing concept issue. And I just don't know if I just don't know that you're ever going to fully see the benefit of Lamar as a passer with these ABCs that, that, that they've got going at, you know, running a straight line. The route tree is my triple option high school offense route tree. Like, and, and we're in the NFL. So it's just, to me, can we actually appreciate how good Lamar Jackson is with Greg Roman? And, I mean, I know the answer is no for me, but, like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you have more faith in it than I do. Uh, yeah, like, I'm right there with you, like you said, but – I think the way you can really appreciate Lamar is, like, you look at that offense last year, and you have Hollywood Brown. Like, I'm so happy they got Bateman because they had Hollywood Brown running the type of routes that big receivers are supposed to run, and Hollywood Brown is, like, built like a middle schooler. Like, he should not be running deep digs over the middle. Like, it doesn't make sense. He should be the guy running down field and clearing out the coverage. But I'll say this. This is how you appreciate Lamar. That offense, no receivers. Uh, a coordinator that we just ripped for his passing game, and they were still like a top ten offense by the end of the year. Yep. Like he raises the floor for your offense. I think he's really like Cam Newton in that way. Like I'm talking about prime Cam Newton, where it didn't matter who the Panthers had around them, the Panthers were always going to have a decent offense. And I think you could say the same thing about Lamar. And I agree with you on the Bateman pick. I think he just, like, makes all of those other receivers fall into place. Like, now Hollywood Brown doesn't have to run those deep digs. He yep. can run the yep. clear-out routes. He can run downfield. He can run the deep crossers. And then you have – I think Sammy Watkins is really an underrated player right now. Like, he was a key person in in that Chiefs offense. And when he wasn't there, it wasn't as good as it was when we saw it at its peak. And, like, one way 
you can tell this is when the Patriots played the Chiefs, who was covering Sammy Watkins? Mm-hmm. It was Stephon Gilmore. Right. It was Stephon Gilmore. That's like the ultimate sign of respect. And I think I, he's a phenomenal piece with uh, alongside Pey- uh, Bateman and Hollywood Brown. Then you have Mark Andrews. Like that's a good receiving it core, is. and it's it's on Roman now. Like we know Lamar's talented. We know that receiving core is talented. If it doesn't work, I think it's on Roman and. Like you said, it's a big year for that team. I think it's a big year for Roman. Like, if it doesn't go well this year, and by go well, I mean, like, Super Bowl contender, they need a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, man. Steven, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you making some time with us uh, and for us here on this Saturday afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man, and uh, I'll, I'll continue being a fan of your work. You do great stuff, and, uh, and you're welcome back anytime. Appreciate it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.